0: Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, breaking down the world of tennis with your hosts, Bal Fabo and Joel Frucci. The action at Melbourne Park is underway for 2024 for the year's first Grand Slam. And Breakpoint Podcast is also back to take you through it all. Valfabo here with you after a small hiatus. I don't think we've been on since Wimbledon last year. It's been a while with busy lives, but we are back in the new year and joining me as he always does. And we are both very, very excited about this. But the Australian Open's back and that means Joel Frucci is back with me. Joel, how are you, mate?
1: I'm going very well, thanks, Val. I I just have one question for you just before we start.
0: What is that? Can I have your autograph? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why did I know that this was coming? (laughs) Why did I know? You Um, knew it was coming, mate. You you can have it. You've probably probably had it it at some stage. I've signed something of yours and you've signed something of mine. Probably. Yeah, probably.
1: probably. Maybe like Arena Sabalenka's trainer,
0: we can sign each other's foreheads.
1: Oh, yeah, we could do that. Mm. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I thought I'd just throw that out there for uh listener's sake, though, because uh, in case anyone that's listening to this didn't know, you were actually commentating qualies.
0: Yes, I was.
1: And, uh, you were mixing it with some of the best, John Fitzgerald, Jill Krabus, Mike Cation, list goes on, and you were fantastic, my
0: friend. Oh, thank you. You're too kind. I think that that's the love goggles coming through there, Joel, but no it was it was a very fun week, because I think I've gone on record to say it was probably the best week of my life to be able to do that and to sit there with Jill Krabus, who you know I've watched she's beaten Serena at Wimbledon, which is quite unbelievable, Mike Cation, who we've had on the show before, and also John Fitzgerald, who we've listened to for years. Growing up, and we've seen on our screens, so it was pretty amazing to be able to sit there and do that. To mix it with the likes of Alan Stone as well, who's been commentating for 45 years since his yeah. career finished, as well as David Colbert as well. It's been, um, it was an absolute pleasure to to be able to sit alongside them and call them colleagues, um, which is yeah, a bit of a pinch yourself moment. But yeah, it was a great week, and fingers crossed it can turn into a few more opportunities because I think. The listeners would probably know that that is the dream, so fingers crossed. But it's not about my dream this week, Joel. We can do that another Mm -hmm. time. It's about the dreams that started out with 256 players in the singles draws, and it has dwindled down to the quarterfinals here. And we'll start with the women's draw. And it has been one of the most peculiar draws that I remember because the bottom half has seemed to go... In general, trajectory. We've got the semi final that we really wanted with Coco Goff up against Arena Sabalenka, but the top half yep. is anybody's game. We saw Rybakina lose an absolute cliffhanger to Anna Blinkova. We saw Iga Fiontek eliminated by Linda Noskova. We've seen a qualifier get through to the f- semi finals. For the first time since 1978, Christine Matheson was the last lady to do that at the Australian Open women's singles draw in Diana Yastremska. And it is, it's thrown up so many curveballs but so many wonderful narratives at the same time. You throw Marta Kostyuk in there as well and then Zhang Qingwen uh, from from China and what she's trying to do, emulating Li Na, maybe possibly winning the title 10 years after Li Na did it. So it, 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 there's so many highlights to this draw.
1: Yeah, there, there really have been, haven't there? I think, um, yeah, but I, I think I guess the unpredictability... Uh, as as you mentioned, of the women's draw has really been the the best feature. It's just been, uh, I guess, classic WTA yep. uh, that we've come to that we've come to know and love. Um, seeing Iga Swiatek go down to Lyndon Oskova was a was a massive surprise. I really didn't expect to see that. I, th- I thought Iga was basically odds on for at least the semi final
0: after beating um, Danielle Collins as well. I think that was her. Le- yeah, I thought yeah, that was sure. her lease of life, or you know, she was playing with house money at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, uh, Danielle Collins had her on the ropes a little bit at one point there, um, and and I, I got to say for uh, if, if, for uh, for ego's sake, um, not probably not someone that you want to be facing that early in uh, in the tournament. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, went down to Lyndon Oskaeva, who you got to give her credit one of the uh, one of the I guess the uh, the unseeded players that really came through. And right now we're watching uh, Kim Wen Zhang and uh, Anna Kournikova. Uh, as well, as we speak, um, 3-2 to Jung with a break. Um, so Anna Cullen Sky with a bit of work to do. But she's one that really came out of nowhere. I thought she had a an impressive lead into the Open in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, she did catch my eye there a little bit. And I remember thinking that, you know, I'd seen her around before. She's been, been around for a while. She's not exactly a, a newcomer. I keep hearing a lot about, you know, the, kind of the next generation of women coming through, but she has been around for a few years. Not saying that, you know, she's old or anything, but she has been there for a little while, yeah, but, but you never think she's going to get through reinventing herself a little bit.
0: Yeah, you're right. But you never think she's actually going to get through at a slam. Not. You think, you know, for a two hundred and fifty event, she might be a run for the title, but she'd never been beyond the second round at a grand slam. And she'd never been beyond the first round at um anywhere besides the U S open. So it's not one that you'd be thinking. She's not one that you'd be thinking, Oh, she's a run for a quarterfinal.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. And, uh, yeah, certainly not her, and, and not least uh, Dayana Stręmska, who has absolutely stormed, firstly through qualifying and then through uh, the main draw. Really, uh, really incredible. And um, you know, I, I guess it, it's always nice to see a qualifier uh, achieve that. But I, I guess for her and her story, there's you know a little bit extra with you know all that's going on at uh, at home. Um, so yeah, like it's been a it's been a fantastic um, women's draw. And um, look, I, I think when you know when we get to the very pointy end in the final uh, i think clearly arena sabalenka is is the one to beat in in my opinion anyway um, she looks absolutely unassailable and to be honest i can't see her losing
0: i think the word that we're both looking for here is imperious and it's a word that i think we've yeah. both used yeah. in text message a few times throughout the tournament but there is no other word to describe what arena sabalenka is producing on the court at the moment and i think just touching on jastremska quickly what a story qualify getting through she almost lost in qualifying to a 15-year-old Australian My joint in the last round yeah got pushed to 3 and she's made it through to the semi-finals which is just outstanding but Savalenka, the the amount of games that she's dropped now remember when ash barty won the 2022 event how dominant she was she dropped we she dropped 17 games on route to the semi-finals Sabalenka has only dropped 16. That is, that's scary good. And she has beaten some very good players, including Barbora Krejcikova, which is, that's an impressive win. Krejcikova is a top yeah. 10 player and she belted Absolutely. it. And
1: I, I tell you what, Val, on that note, what she did to Lysia Shurenko.
0: Poor, was a seeded player. Frightening.
1: frightening. I mean, Lysia Shurenko is a fantastic player in her own right, inside the top 40. Arena absolutely dispatched her, got the old bicycle wheels going, as uh, Stephanie Miles said on AO radio, the, the double bagel slash uh, bicycle tires. So uh yeah, that was that was actually quite quite frightening. That was one of the one of the best, I think, performances by any woman I've seen in a long time.
0: A hundred percent. She was she was in fine form. There was nothing that Serenko could do to to stave off any of these shots. she It was just, she was too hard. She was too fast. She was too good, really. They're, they're, yeah. they're the, that's the only way you can describe it. I'm still lost for words now, and it was a few days ago. So she was absolutely brilliant. She plays Coco Goff, who was pushed to the absolute brink by Marta Kostiuk in the other quarterfinal. But even though Goff has had the better of her and won the U S open final last year, beat arena from a set down. You just feel as though Sabalenka is primed to defend her title. And do you know the last person to defend the Australian open women's singles title was Joel? Oh,
1: you're going to have to give me a hint. It was
0: Victoria Azarenka, another Belarusian. Oh yes. And you know, someone that, you know, Sabalenka has looked up to throughout her entire career. Um, You know, a country woman that has paved the way for her and, who knows? It's it's really exciting to see what Arena Sabalenka can do in two thousand and twenty four because you feel as though she's prime. She's never looked so relaxed. Remember a couple of years ago she couldn't serve.
1: Yep, very very well. Yeah, very well. And you still, granted, you do, we do still see glimpses of that occasionally, like very occasionally. There there was maybe one or two games against Barbora Krachikova where we we kind of saw a little bit of fragility in the in the Sabalenka serve, but. I mean, for the most part, um, you know she's she's got it all together across the board. You don't really we don't really see elongated lapses in the service game, um, and yeah, I mean now that she's put it all together and her confidence is well and truly up, you'd have to say as high as it's ever been. When that kind of power game, as we know, gets going on the on the women's circuit in particular, it is very very hard to break down.
0: She's so relaxed as well, which is so impressive. There's been footage of her dancing, footage of her signing her trainer's head, footage of her kicking (laughs) a a toy pineapple off his head as well. That was impressive as well. I don't know if anybody's seen that out there, but the way that she got her leg up and managed to get the flexibility to kick that, I think it was a toy (laughs) pineapple. I don't know. It was a plush something. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. But she managed to kick it off his head pretty easily. So the way that she's going about her business makes her look extremely imperious. So as we said, we haven't completed the other women's semi-final because Ching-Wen Jang is playing now against Anna Kellen Well, if that does finish before we do the end of the podcast, then we'll have a, more of an idea. But th- uh, this is just as we record. Uh, it's a beautiful Wednesday night in Melbourne and we've got men's quarterfinals still to come. But it's It's been the women's draw. Looking at some of the other results that have happened as well, and I think the narratives have been there because we've seen the likes of um, Jasmine Parlini getting through to a fourth round as well. I think that was impressive. Oshan Dodan, who just hasn't been able to quite crack through. Mira Andreva, what a story that was, Joel, for her to yeah. absolutely destroy Jabur. Um, and not to mention Storm Hunter as well. I keep I was about to call her Sanders, didn't called her Hunter uh. by her new married name, but even what she was able to produce to get through to a third round of a grand slam for the first time, that was impressive. There's been narratives of plenty, but starting with Andreva, what have we got here? Cause I think we've got something oh. really special, and I think we're gonna see her win an abundance of slams.
1: Oh, we we absolutely do. I think yeah, I think what really impressed me about her was kind of the, the mental fortitude for such a young player. She was in some really, really sticky situations. I think it was a. will stand corrected here. I believe it was the third round match. She was really on the ropes, 5-1 yep. down, came storming back to win that 7-5 in the third set. Really, really impressive. Obviously, her win over Ons Jabor speaks for itself. Um, yeah, I, I, look, there's her talent speaks for itself there's really no limit to i think you know what what she can achieve obviously only 16 years old you just hope that you know with a young player like this as excited as we get when they have you know they have such an incredible run like she's had in a, in a major so young we just really have to hope that you know her her trajectory really goes the same way that someone like Coco Goff has Um, who has, obviously, she's already won a a Grand Slam. Um, She's been able to to sustain her position um, in and around the the top 10 for the the last couple of years. And um, I guess before that, you know, top 20, top 30, et cetera. Um, But we also, yeah, I also really hope that, you know, she doesn't, hasn't hasn't slash won't peak too early because we have seen some young players kind of go through that a little bit before Um someone like, you know, Jeannie Bouchard comes, comes to mind where she kind of got to a point and then um, had a, had a little bit of a drop off and, and unfortunately couldn't really get out of that tailspin. Um, so, yeah, I, I certainly hope that, uh that uh Mira career goes, goes the way that um that Coco's has gone. Um, you know, rather than anyone else. And I think it is important on that note that um, the tennis community as a whole, we don't put too much expectation on her shoulders. I think we really need to remember that.
0: I think we do. You're, you're right. But unfortunately for her, she's well, already yeah, taken the world yeah. by she's storm. Herself in a
1: position. Yep. yep,
0: she's got herself into the top 50 at this Coming age. And, and it does. And look, teen phenoms are... Uh, they're part and parcel of tennis. We've seen it. We, we, we seem to see it more in tennis than so many other sports, but the way that Mira Andreva performed, and I think what the best part was, was in her third round match when she came back from five, one down in the third set and people were doubting her mental capacity to actually go on and, and deal with problems on court. And, you know, does she have what it takes to go on and, and, and really push, but, Dionne Parry couldn't go with her in the end. And then Andy Murray came out and said, look at this. Look at what she's done. Why are you doubting her mental capacity before the match is over? And for 16 years old, she proved to be more mature than most of us. And you know, you and I, both in our late 20s, Joel, um, you yeah. know, she proved to be more mature than the both of us. So she was absolutely brilliant. But another one that I want to talk about, Storm Hunter. a set And so close to being able to serve for the match against Barbora Krejcikova. She got her revenge in the women's doubles, knocked Krejcikova out today. But it's so good seeing Stormy do so well. We've had her on the show before. We know what a wonderful person she is. We know the success she's had in doubles. But now to see her translate that into singles and really get her ranking back up, she'll be within eight of her career high of 119. And she had to fight through qualifying. It wasn't easy for her. But what an amazing story it is to see her um getting through.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And uh also progressed in the women's singles, uh pardon me, in the women's doubles today with um Anna Sinia as well, Katerina Sinia So that was that was great to see. Um yeah, having a fantastic tournament. Um didn't quite uh come off in the in the mixed, unfortunately, with, with Matthew Ebbs and I think they lost to Andrew Harris and, and Jamie Fawless. That hit two of our other former life. guests on the show. Yeah, yep, another former guest, two former guests, two. I think. Two former guests, yeah, but um, yeah, Storm's running singles was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you always love to see a you know fantastic person, um, go go, uh, you know, deepish in a in a slam. Um, we we've had her on our on our show and we loved we love talking to her. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was absolutely terrific to see. I have to issue a bit of an apology to Storm actually because why, well, Joe? Um. Well, so I, have I, was, you done? I was at the Australian Open on uh, Friday night and um, I had just come out of Margaret Court Arena and uh, uh, finished watching Andre Rublev rather dispatch Sebastian Corder. So uh, it was a Friday night and, you know, by all measure, the, the night was still still young. So went out to Grand Slam Oval. Uh, I think it was in the second set uh, at about 4-all yep. and started watching uh, Storm's match against... Barbora Krachikova. Oh, it was your fault she lost? Yeah, well, from that point on, things kind of just seemed to dissipate
0: a little bit. So, oh, uh what have you so done? I, I
1: personally take responsibility for your defeat. Uh, I apologize. I will send you a gift hamper in the mail at some point. <laughs> um, but look, generally speaking, um, it's it's interesting as well, Val, that she came uh, came across Barbora Krachikova and was beaten by her in the singles because... Um, you know, I, I was kind of thinking during the, the women's the women's draw in the singles that um, you know, more and more players that uh, I guess kind of made their name to a certain extent in, in doubles have, um, you know, more and more of them seem to now be finding their way in, in singles. So obviously, Storm's been kind of around the singles uh, realm for a little while, probably playing some of her best tennis now. Um, you know, Barbora Krejčíková at one point. It was probably She I was the number in, one player in doubles. Yeah, it was the number one player in doubles, ended up of course going on to, you know, win Grand Slam in singles and is still in the in the top ten. And even someone like Beatrice had admire. She's in the top ten now too. She kind of came out of nowhere really in the last in the last couple of years. So I just think it's really nice to see, you know, some players that kind of did the hard yards, I guess, in a sense in, in, in doubles kind of find have kind of you know, they're starting to find their way in singles. I think that's really great.
0: Well, Ash Barty another one, Joel. She made – remember how many she finals is, yeah. her and Casey DeLacqua made together? Yep. yep. And oh. she broke through and won a, won a doubles Grand Slam before singles. So, she won the Aussie, French and Wimbledon in singles and then won the US in doubles. So, she kind of has a mm-hmm. career slam in a way, not in all the same disciplines. But um, – Ash Barty another one of those that, that was successful in doubles before she translated that to singles. So I think there is a lot of element to that, or there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of strengths um, that can be added to the game. Um, you look at the net game, you look at, uh, you know, tactics and you look at all that sort of yeah. stuff. It can make certain skills more sound that you might not have had. And it can translate into your singles game and they can coincide really well. And I think that's what a lot of players are finding a really good balance with. So, Storm Hunter, an amazing performance at the Australian Open. I look forward to seeing the world number one in doubles continue on her merry way in 2024. But plenty of action still to come, Joel. Predictions, it's never easy. It's always always hard. But the women's draw, where are you sitting? Yeah, look, I think... um well, I mean, I've already,
1: I've already said so. I'll just say again that I think, I think Arena Sabalenka will go back to back mm-hmm. and win the title. Um, it's going to be a great semifinal with her and Coco Goth, but I just think at the moment Arena is just on a, another planet to, yeah. to everyone else uh, on the on the WTA. I think who she ends up facing in the final is going to be really interesting. I mean, by the numbers, you've probably got to go with Kim Wenjong. Um but again that match is still going as we're recording and she's currently 5-4 down on serve against Anna Kulinskaya at 30 all. So it's at a really, really interesting point. But having said that, she's playing really, really great tennis. So uh, in that sense, you'd have to, I guess, almost let the form speak speak for itself. So um, yeah, I'll pick a Zhang versus Sabalenka final, but Arena to win.
0: I think... Sabalenka gets through as well, but Diana Yastremska, she is proving to be a world beater and first player yep. Joel since nineteen ninety-nine, Yelena Dokic to take to qualify and take out two former Grand Slam champions en route to the quarterfinals. So she's in very, very rare company. And I just think it runs on a little bit longer and I think she'll get through to a final. So Sabalenka over Yastrzemska for me. But we've still got plenty more to come because we're going to talk about all things men's draw and the precarious situation that faces three men plus another quarterfinal later on tonight, Australian time. So very much looking forward to that. You're listening to Breakpoint.
1: Follow Breakpoint on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast. Search us on Facebook and
0: subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Ferbo and Joel Frucci joining you on the show and Oh, the Australian Open! What a time of the year it is. January in Australia, the sun is shining, the blue plexi cushion is on our screens, Jim Courier is in our, in our ears, and oh, it's <laughs> just wonderful, isn't it, Joel? Oh, the
1: summer has not really started, has not truly started until you hear Jim on your television.
0: No, and it's earlier too with the United Cup. It's so good that we get to hear Jim Courier earlier, and oh my God, it's just it's it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful, but. Men's draw. There's been plenty happening. There are a lot of five-setters that have happened. There's, I think there's been oh 33, which is one short <laughs> of the all-time record, Joel. It's been unbelievable how many five-setters we've had. Adrian Manorino's has pretty much played in all of them <laughs> and <laughs> oh won all God. of them. Crazy, man. Oh, what a, what a superstar. I was so happy when he beat Ben Shelton because the story, it just keeps going. The guy looks like he plays Tuesday night at Viewbank with you. Doesn't <laughs> Doesn't have string tension, doesn't have a sponsor, doesn't have any hair, and he just lo- he, you can just see he loves what he's doing. He just he celebrates the little wins and he, he's such a great character and yeah, I was so happy to see him make the fourth round. It's a bit of a shame how it ended, absolutely belted off the court by Djokovic. But you look at yeah. the semifinals now, Joel. We've got three of the top four seeds in most likely going to be four with the way Carlos Alcaraz has played. And just how things are going with Alexander Zverev, I think, I think this might be where the wheels finally fall off. He's been lucky to get through a couple of matches. Lucas Klein should have should have beaten him there, and it's plain and Old simple. Calvin. Yeah, <laughs> Calvin Klein. Uh, Cam Norrie <laughs> should have got the job done, or maybe not should have got the job done, but had chances to get the job done. Um, oh, he shot
1: himself in the foot, Cam Norrie. He did. It way.
0: wasn't the greatest tie break, and that's where the that's where the level dipped. But the last two sets of that match were at the highest ebb. But now he's facing a rampant, and when I say rampant, I mean rampant, Carlos Alcaraz. The way he dispatched Miamir Ketsmanovic was, and I said it before, but it was imperious. He looked very, very solid from all corners of the of the court, and for me, Zverev, Zverev just won't have the answers tonight. I think, and and I reckon we're going to see the top four seeds get through to the semis for the first time in over ten years. So, but Novak will start with him because elephant in the room, ten yep. time champion, has never lost a semifinal or a final at Melbourne Park, but, and there's a but. <laughs> What yeah, can yeah. what can Yannick Sinner do? Because this is the match that we've all been waiting for. Yannick Sinner, who's in the form of his career, beat Novak twice to finish last year at the ATP Finals and Davis Cup. Can he do it in best of five?
1: Yeah, well, that's the big question. Uh, and when it comes when it comes to Novak. You you just at, at a grand slam in five sets you you just you just have to back him almost you can never write him off that's the thing yeah over over the over the distance he just he just knows how to get it done and yeah um yeah you know, unfortunately like just with this with this you know with the, with the, I guess the current generation if you like in terms of guys like Zverev and Tsitsipas and Berrettini and these kind of guys Casper Ruud um, and even the you know the the newest generation Carlos Alcaraz Yannick Sinner the question is always going to be, can they go the distance with someone like Djokovic, who's been around for so long? Well,
0: and, and Carlos can. We know that
1: forever. Well, we know Carlos. We've can, seen. Yeah. We we've seen Carlos it.
0: He's proven. He's a proven commodity. Yeah, he has. I'm not worried about Carlos. I, I'm so bullish on the fact that he can win this tournament. Yeah, but it's he has. now. The, now it's up to Sinner. He's pushed Novak yep. to five at Wimbledon before the semi final at Wimbledon last year was one way traffic, but. Now, Sinner looks primed, and this is the match that people have been alluding to, saying this is the one that Novak might not be able to win. Should he get through to the final, they'd probably back him in more. But yeah, Yannick Sinner, this is a big test for him, and the biggest, probably the biggest match of his career.
1: Oh, no question, no question. And look, he's probably coming up against Novak at a, at a good time mm. at, a, at a Slam because let's face it, he, even though he's been able to get the job done and get himself through the semifinals, he hasn't. Quite looked himself this Australian Open, I don't think. There's talk about him, uh, you know, being a bit under the weather for the sort of week and a half that has elapsed so far. Um, Yet he's still been able to do the job and has been able to do so um, in most cases, relatively convincingly. Um, Well, and and when when I say convincingly, what I mean by that is in is is the Novak way, I guess. Mm. Against Taylor Fritz, at least for the for the first set, anyway, he 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 was second best for. Probably ninety six percent of that set. Yet yep. he stayed in it and he found a way to, to get it done in, in classic Novak fashion. And then that was a real killer for for Taylor Fritz. I guess it was that it was that whole uh thing that Andy Roddick once said. First he takes your legs and yep. he takes your soul. That set was very much like that. Yeah um, because Taylor won the second set. He did, yeah. He did win the second set. And then after that he uh you know, Novak just, just Novaks. But um yeah, I, I look I think when we look at Yannick Sinner, as you said, Val, he's playing the he's playing the tennis of his life. He looks a lot more powerful, um, looks a lot more mature as well physically. And one thing that was highlighted by the host broadcaster the other night, Channel Nine, who you've been working for, Val, um, during his match against Andre Rublev, they were having a look at at his serve now versus a couple of years ago, and they identified that uh, he's getting more drive in the serve out of his legs, the first serve, so. Look, I think it's going to be really important for for Yannick to be able to get a lot of free points, win some points quickly, because obviously, you know, we know what Djokovic do, what Djokovic does once he gets the ball back in play, which is more often than not. So the first serve is going to have to be on. He's going to have to have a high first serve percentage, and yeah, obviously the, the ground strokes are going to have to, um, yeah, they're going to have to be be on as well. So look, I actually think Yannick Sinner can do it, and um, I I think he will win the title. To be honest, um, he's he's looking that good. Obviously, hasn't dropped a set yet. Um, throughout the tournament, so I'm just going to back him in. I'm going to say he'll actually beat Novak this time.
0: Yeah, honestly, and look, we've done this so many times before. I I think I agree. I really think I agree, and I think what what tennis needs in a way, or men's tennis anyway, I think we need to see Carlos and Yannick yeah. play a final. I think that's I would what- love that. That's where the reality is really going to hit. We've seen what these two can do against each other. That 2022 US Open quarterfinal will stand the test of time in terms of classic matches. It will almost never be beaten for how good it was in the drama and just the sheer quality that was produced over five hours. But Yannick Sinner needs to prove this against Novak Djokovic. Carlos has done it at Wimbledon. He beat him in five in a final one of only two players to have ever beaten Djokovic in five sets in a major final, him and Andy Murray. He's there. We know that. Medvedev has won a slam. These four at the moment are the clear-cut best. I think there's such a big divide between them and the rest of the field. Novak hasn't looked right, but then again, in 2021, he had his inverted quotes, abdominal strain. But, (laughs) you know, he still won the last two matches in straight sets. This is when he comes to play. This is when... Novak Djokovic peaks. He always yeah. peaks at this time. He's always ready to go for a semifinal or a major final. Yannick Sinner has his work cut out for him, but I really think that he can do it because his ground strokes have been pure. They've been fast. He's striking the ball as well as I've ever seen him. He's moving well. He's the only player to have not dropped a set on the men's side at the moment. Djokovic has looked shaky. Prismic what a player he's going to be, but we'll park that for another time. Pushed him, had chances. Alexei Poprin should have gone up two sets to one against. He should Nova. have, yep,
1: hundred percent. Again,
0: Novak, 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 he just Novak.
1: Yep, exactly right. He yeah, did, and, and 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 that's that's the thing. Even for, I guess we can't really compare Alexei and Yannick Sinner too much. Um, you know, certainly at the moment. But again, that's that's just what Novak does. He's just you look to the other side of the net. He's just such a presence.
0: Yep, he plays he plays into the minds just by who he is of other players. Yep. So that was tough. Then he gets through his next couple in straight sets and Taylor Fritz, I think, got a bit unlucky with how long the women's match went before they came on court. Because if it was a bit hotter, I think Fritz might have had more of a chance. We know Djokovic doesn't yeah, like to yeah. play during the day, but it rained when he got to play in the day during the day against Manorino, so conditions probably more suited to him then it was evening by the time they started. So the conditions have still played into Djokovic's favour. But now when he's got Yannick, it's not sure what time it's going to be yet because it depends if Alcaraz gets through to play Medvedev. We just don't know. But I think either way, we're going to see two wonderful semifinals and Djokovic has his work cut out for him, as does Yannick Sinner. It could be a match of the ages. But then the other semi-final, whether it's Daniel Medvedev against Carlos Alcaraz or Daniel Medvedev against Alexander Zverev, we're not going to be short on drama there either because Medvedev has had two gruelling five-setters, one against Emil Roussevori, which finished at 3.40 in the morning, and then it, it, just bizarre. And then today against Hubie Herkash, Hercash threw everything at him, and Medvedev still managed to come through despite looking cooked. Has it cooked him? Has that given Zverev and Alcaraz the the fire in the belly that they need to say, Okay, he's in trouble physically. Here, we can get him and move through to a final. I don't know, but the the pro, the prospects of what we could see over the last couple of days of this men's draw are so exciting.
1: Yeah, it is really exciting, isn't it? I think. Yeah, look, I think yes, yeah, Zverev and Medvedev have obviously you know they've had their their time on court. Certainly, certainly Danil has. So yeah, it definitely lends itself a little bit to uh, uh, to Carlos probably probably making his way through to the final, but. Again, it's kind of been that that kind of that kind of tournament on both sides. Anything can happen, really. So I'm just so excited for for whoever whoever gets through, and for these two semifinals. Um, yeah, I actually can't wait for for Alcaraz versus Verev later. I think I think in that pool of, of three players, I, I just think sort of just just the All Court game of of Alcaraz probably probably gets him through. Um, you know, obviously, Zverev's probably got you know the weapon is the weapons are the serve and the backhand, probably less so the forehands. Um, Danil, it works for him, but he obviously stands so far back in the court, and we know what what Carlos can do with the drop shot, and um, yeah, that's we, we saw that's been used against Danil, uh a couple of times um, throughout the tournament. So uh, certainly by Nuno Borges, he did it really well, so yeah. that kind of upset the rhythm a little bit. So I think I think Alcaraz will if he if it is uh if it is him that plays against Danil um we'll probably utilize that to his advantage. So yeah, look, I, I expect that that uh, Alcaraz will will get through and uh make the final regardless of um yeah whether it's yeah him or yeah I I think he, he's probably the best one of those three.
0: Yes, Verev leads the head to head with Carlos, but the US Open quarterfinal when they played Alcaraz won in straight sets. Verev has since beaten him but I just think the way Carlos is moving, the way he's playing, he looks so primed and energised. And you hear what people have been saying about him and there's been a lot of gush about him because I think yeah, a lot of people in Australia wouldn't... They haven't seen him much. If you don't follow tennis religiously like what we do, people didn't stay up and watch that Wimbledon final against Djokovic. People didn't watch his US Open run in 2022. Yeah. They watched the the one match he played on Rod Laver Arena against Matteo Berrettini, if that, in 2022, when he came back, pushed it to five and lost. They don't really remember that and what he produced, but that was the catalyst for a year like no other where he finished it at number one. And now they're seeing the Carlos Alcaraz that we've come to know and love over the last couple of years. And he's got the movement of Djokovic, the ferocity of Nadal, and the precision and elegance of Federer. He's got the best of all three of the big three and it it's it's quite scary to think about what he could be he's still only twenty years old brightening <laughs> yeah it's it's scary it to think that this guy is as jacked as he is for twenty years yeah. old and he's still he's developing and he's overtaken everyone already pretty uh, much yep they've all got and and I think the, the discussions about Tsitsipas, about Zverev, about Rublev, these three guys, they've been overtaken. Sin has gone past them. I think Holger Runa has gone past them. And Tsitsipas is almost out of the top 10. Well, I think he is out of the top 10. No, Dimonor didn't win, so he just managed uh, yeah, to... Right. yeah, He yep. just managed to, to keep Yeah, just. It. Survived. Yep, just. Yep. But it's it's quite scary to think about. Zverev... I think sooner rather than later, needs to cash in because I probably see him out of him, Rublev, and Pass. He's probably the one that can get there. Kasparud, I don't know. He looked good, but then he went out. So I, I don't know what we're going to see. But it's all relative because, Joel, there are five men left as we record. Who gets through to the final and who wins it?
1: So I think Yannick Sinner is going to win the final. Okay. And he will play... Carlos Alcaraz in the final, and it'll be a fantastic installment of Sin Caraz, the new Fidel.
0: I hope it is. I really hope it is. And, and you know what I do love? How the Australian Open has been on, but the Fidel content has been sensational with Roger going to visit yeah, Rafa's academy. That was amazing. And Rafa returning in Doha. Uh, in a few weeks' time. So, looking forward to seeing what he can do there. But I like your prediction. I'm going to flip it. I think it's going to be a sinker as final, but I think Carlos is going to win his third major. I just think he's primed to do it, and I reckon he'll get back to the number one ranking. He's got a lot to play for, right. and I think that the young Spaniard, I think he's something special. And when I say special, absolutely uh, oozing speciality on the court. He's just amazing. Speciality. <laughs> That, that that's exactly what he is. He's just wonderful to watch. Um, yeah. So that's our picks. We've both got Sabalenka. You've got Sinner. I've got Carlos. Very much looking forward to the next three days. But before we go, we haven't done this in a while, so we almost forgot about him. But the Benoit yeah. of the week, the award where it could really go to anybody for having a fluctuating week or whatever the hell they've done, it's whatever we see fit, really. And I think an honourable mention to Rohan Bapana, the Indian doubles player who I remember, Joel, yeah. the first time he came out to Australia that I remember it was the 07 Hotman Cup when the courts were still on rebound ace. It was played at the Burzwood Dome, and it was a green court. He had a massive serve. India did terribly. <laughs> and he's come out 43 years old or later, or at the moment. He'll be 44 later in the year. He's the oldest first time, world number one, in doubles history. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Fantastic effort, Rohan Bapana. He and Maddie Ebden, hopefully they can go on and win the Australian Open title, because it would be very well deserved from the both of them.
1: Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And uh, yeah, look, just don't mess with the Rohan.
0: Ha <laughs> ha like it. We should make it we should make a graphic of the Zohan uh, the Zohan <laughs> movie poster with Rohan papana's face there in a tennis racket instead of a hairdryer, but um, your <laughs> your Benoit of the week is quite interesting because you you mentioned it to me before. Um, we're going to give one each, but who was yours?
1: Uh yeah. So I'm gonna kind of going to dampen the mood a little bit with uh, with a negative Benoit, uh, and we're we're kind of going all the way back to. The very start of the tournament here um, okay. for for my Benoit, and when I say start of the tournament, I mean before qualies. So we're going going a fair way back. But, All right, wow. Uh, be, yeah, Yep. Yeah. So going going back a few weeks. So uh, yeah, look, obviously, certainly, Australian tennis fans will know that uh, John Millman has now officially hung up the racket, and we won't see him on on the tour anymore, which is which is a shame. But yep. I, I really like how you know John's kind of. Um, I guess listen to his body, if you like, and and yeah. he's and he's kind of, um, I guess retired while he's ahead, and, and now we're hearing we're hearing him, um, on uh, on Channel Nine uh, as a special special comments yeah. guru, and he's very freaking good at it. He so is. I'm, I'm wrapped. That's uh, yeah. That there's another life for, for Johnny. He is um, honestly after Millmania,
0: the nicest person I think I've ever met in yes. my life. Not yeah, like, and, and you, we love hearing that. I I cannot believe how nice this bloke is.
1: Yep. So basically, the lesson is: people never meet your heroes unless it's John Millman. Yeah, you can meet exactly
0: him. right. Um, you can meet him.
1: But it, anyway, so okay, so we, we know that he's retiring, and uh, it was his his last event at the Australian Open. But uh, rather than him receiving a wild card, he was made to go through qualifying, which I thought, from Tennis Australia's point of view and the Australian Open, was incredibly disrespectful to yep. someone who has given so much to Australian tennis and is a grand slam quarterfinalist i thought he should have been given uh, a wild card into the men's main draw and uh, unfortunately he wasn't he lost in the second round of qualifying against uh, alex moltson um and I, look you know based on based on that uh, match you could probably argue that 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 john might not have you know really um, sort of caused too much damage in the main draw but nevertheless it would have been fantastic to see him bow out on 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 court 3 or you know one of those main show courts outside on on day 1 or day 2 or 3 potentially or even even beyond then who knows he might have got through uh based on that on that crowd support. I, I really admire the fact that you know we sort of he took the positive out of it and kind of put a bit of a positive spin on it and you know he said that um you know kind of it was kind of fitting for his career a little bit that he had to kind of grind through qualifying and and that's where it ended. But, um, you know, kind of regardless of uh, how much we can look at it in, in that kind of light. And, you know, from the narrative, I thought it was uh, just to be honest, plain disgraceful that, he was made to slug it out um, in, in qualifying. He he really, to end his career, he really should have been given a wild card. I don't think that's too much to ask.
0: No, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that John Millman, with everything that he's done, with he's epitomized that Aussie battler sort of he has, mold. Yeah. And, and to come back from all the injuries that he came back from, to get into the top 40, to be a Grand Slam quarterfinalist, to beat Roger Federer at a Grand Slam... Nearly beat him again as well. Exactly right. But he he pushed Federer in Brisbane back, what, 2013, 2012 as well. He pushed him to three. So Milman had this record against the top ten players. He um, he, he won a title in Kazakhstan in 2020 and really capped off what was a crappy year for tennis with all of the cancellations and the shutdowns and everything. And it gave us a lot of joy to see him win that title back two and a half years ago. But for someone that has given his all to the sport – And has maximised absolutely everything from his career. He should have had a wild card. He really should have. And it it was so disappointing to see his career end in qualies. He got a wild card into doubles. Why couldn't he get a wild card into singles? It was such (laughs) a slap in the face. That was
1: tokenistic. That's all it was. Tokenistic. One
0: hundred percent. One hundred percent. So justice for Johnny. I reckon next year we give him a wild card. Come out of retirement. Just for one one event, but no, um, no. What a wonderful career for Johnny Millman, and yeah, his uh, his media career. He's doing some study at the moment as well. I think he's doing an MBA. So, what a wonderful human being he is. But my Benoit of the week now, it's not too soon for this, but it goes to the man himself, and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't from this week, Joel. Now back in qualifying, you and I said, can you imagine? I get to do the encore interview for Benoit Pair.
1: He just didn't want to do it, did he?
0: Well, I was scheduled to to do. So much that
1: he went and lost his match.
0: I was scheduled to do the interview after (laughs) the match with Jules Marie, the YouTube sensation. And what do you think Benoit went and did? He lost. (laughs) I almost interviewed the man that we have molded this final segment of the show about the the man that has allowed us to end it in the most humorous note possible. And he's, and he's gone and he's done me dirty. He really did me dirty. So, Benoit, you owe me something absolutely magical one day. I don't know what it's going to be, but you owe me one big time for that. Um, but on the other hand... Uh, Yeah, good luck for the rest of the year, Benoit Pair. But you've started it on the right note with a Benoit of the Week on Breakpoint Uh, Podcast. I'm sure that makes up for a qualifying loss in first round. I'm sure. But Joel, it was so on brand. It was so on brand. It really was. It really was. But Joel, thank you very much for your efforts today, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking tennis again with you, and we'll be back to review the Australian Open uh, very, very shortly.
1: No pleasure, mate. It's always good to be on with you. And just before we we sign off, we should. uh, update the listeners who are obviously listening to us live that uh, currently uh, Anna Cullen-Skyer in uh, the quarterfinal is uh, a set up
0: and is currently
1: at uh, one all uh, 30-15 on Jung serve. So very finely poised at the moment.
0: Yes, very much so. So I reckon we're going to be seeing a fairly long one there. And, of course, as we record that match going and then Zverev and Alcaraz to come. So very much looking forward to the final few days of the Australian Open. Thank you again, Joel.
1: No, pleasure, mate. See you soon.
0: And remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Breakpoint is there for all of your tennis needs. We are back and ready to go, ready to fire in 2024, of course, on social media as well, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well, or it's called X now, not Twitter. because uh, a yeah.
1: crazy man driving a Tesla owns it now.
0: Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But that has been Val Febber and Joel Fridge taking you through the Australian Open. We'll be back to review it all and all of the matches to come over the next few days. Enjoy all the action from Melbourne Park, wherever you are from around the world. Stay up late, get up early, do what you must because the next few days are going to be amazing. We'll catch you soon.